Today, more than any other time in history, we are connected to one another. Long gone are the days in which distance limits our human connection. We can communicate and connect to people virtually anywhere and at any time we desire. In a world full of being connected, how can we be so disconnected from the Holy Spirit? Join us today as we learn how to live life vertical. Right, and you understand what it means to be horizontal, but we're talking about vertical this morning. We're talking about, hey, looking up and then to look out. And we do a lot here in the church as far as life application, you know, teaching you to hear from God, um, how to love yourself, how to love others. The great commandment we teach on a consistent basis here. But today we're going we're gonna to kind of transition us to make sure that our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And if you would, please join me in a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you would direct my thoughts, my words and work, that you would wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb and purge my heart by thy Holy Spirit from the dross of my natural corruption that I may with more freedom of mind and liberty will serve thee, the everlasting God, in righteousness and holiness this day and all the days of my life. Amen. Now, as you know, that wasn't a spirit-led prayer in me, okay? I usually don't use thy and thine and those types of things. That's actually a prayer by George Washington that comes from George Washington's journal. And I start with that because he talks about his heart being purged by the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit today, I'm going to be talking about your heart because God has chosen to reside in man. Buildings cannot contain our God, and it's amazing to me that our hearts can in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about that today. You know, the prayer from George Washington's journal, I love to learn from men who do these types of things, who rely on God, who are assured by His Holy Spirit. They move forward for the cause of Christ. They are immovable. If you are a man out there today, when I use words like immovable, steadfast, I mean anchored, that should, that should do something in you. And women, that should do something in you as well. I mean, for each and every one of us, we want to be seen as immovable people who stand. You know the old country and western song, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything? Some of you, okay, none of you. All right, that's fine. Yeah, oh yeah, Wade's in there with me, right. But it wasn't Wade Hayes who sung it. Um, however, he does sing a song that we really like, huh, Wade? Okay, we won't sing it. I won't embarrass you. So we're going to be talking today, kicking off this series called Vertical. And it's a series that will teach us to do the same, to live our lives immovable, steadfast, who to depend upon, not depend upon our fleshly selves, but on the Holy Spirit that resides within our heart. Taking life as it comes, some of us do this very thing. We take life as it comes instead of taking it to life. We tend to live far more horizontal than we do vertical. And when we live vertically first, then God reveals himself in ways that we are led into the horizontal, in healthy ways. You see, I tell you this, I love you far more, church, when I keep my eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, and I am led by his Holy Spirit within me. Because if I'm led by myself, I go, man, I don't like that person. Are you kidding me? You're at my office again? What is wrong with you? 
right? I mean, for pastors, we can get in this mindset and get bent on this fleshly look at and take at people and this lens of looking th- that we get used to looking through and it creates problems in our lives. It, keeps, it creates problems in our relationships in the horizontal. And this is why God has said, no, no, I'm going to reside in you. Now learn how to depend on me. So we're going to talk about living vertically in the Holy Spirit. Some of you grew up in, in churches that taught this, God the Father, God the Son, and God what? Oh man, don't lie to me. It was God the Holy Bible, right? I mean, that's, that's oftentimes how we were raised, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Because we really don't understand the way we should, the Holy Spirit, so it's just easier if we just keep our nose in His Word, because we're a little bit concerned when people start mentioning Holy Spirit about how crazy and charismatic this thing could become. Oh, we just got to be honest, church. I mean, so oftentimes we just say, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible, but the Trinity, the triune of God is definitely God the Holy Spirit. So we got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There wasn't a lot taught on the Holy Spirit early on. Until about the 17th century, there wasn't a whole lot of teaching. There was more experiential. The experiential part of God was found within the realm of what we called the Holy Spirit. But as far as the teaching part, it necessarily uh, was very limited by the 17th century. So today, as we, as we embark on this journey, I want you to hear a couple things about the Holy Spirit. One is that He lives in us. That He has chosen to live in us. And it comes from the Scripture, John chapter 14, starting with verse 15. And let's just kind of go through this for just a moment. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, this is an incredible passage of Scripture. These are the words of Jesus, and here's what he's saying. He's saying a couple things. Hey, if you love me, all right, guess what? I'm going to be in you. You see, when we say yes to Jesus, church, when, when we say that prayer of salvation, when we stand up, you know how, how we used to do it. In the old Southern Baptist and Southern Methodist churches, we'd say with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Savior this morning, no one else is looking. Between you and God, everybody eyes closed, raise your hand. I see that hand. You know, that's, that's kind of our way of encouraging. We've got a few people planted where maybe they're going to raise their hand, you know, to stretch or something. I see that. I see that hand. I see that other hand. You know, y'all are learning the tricks of the trade here. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I, I sure uh, don't want to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, but I'm, I'm saying at that point when God moves in your life, when that's for real, when you truly raise your hand and you come forward, here's the thing, you are inviting God's presence within you. And He joyfully comes in. And here's why, because you see the love that He has for you and you're responding to His love by your love. And this is why He says, hey, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, let me just 
talk about this condition of the Holy Spirit. Because if there were a condition of the Holy Spirit, what would it be? Jesus said it's activated by our love for Him. So as we love God, as we love Jesus, we activate this Spirit. His Spirit comes alive in us. He, he, he dwells in us. And then it says that we'll keep His commandments if we love Him. Well, let's talk about that for just a minute because some of us struggle with keeping commandments. And we shouldn't. All right, Because when you look at the Torah or you look at some of the Old Testament and, and, and you pay attention to all the Deuteronomistic laws that are in there, you tend to say, man, I can never live up to that. You don't have to. Church, there's freedom in Christ. See, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, not to be yoked to a yoke of slavery, but to stand firm, therefore, is what Galatians 5 says. Stand firm. Know who Christ is. As you respond to Him, know that He took all those things upon Himself and He, he narrowed the Torah down. You know, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the religious scribes, they added more than 200 commandments to the original Ten Commandments. So you couldn't make it. You couldn't make it. Look, many of us can't make it today. On the ten, thou shalt not steal. Oh man, I was just joking when I took that. Or when I kept that, or I didn't report that. Right? Okay, thou shalt not kill. And yet we're told in Scripture that our tongue can be the very instrument that we kill with. You ever killed anyone with your tongue? You see, there's, it gets very, very difficult to even keep what we think is most simple however when we talk about murder i mean most of us have enough common sense i'm not going to go kill someone all right thou shall not covet you ever done that well of course but jesus narrows it down he said here let me make this easy because the disciples say well what's the most important of all these commandments out there what's and jesus says hey let me make it simple for you he doesn't say it exactly like that he says here are the greatest to love the lord your god with all your heart soul, mind, and strength. You notice he started with love? To love. There you go, get that. All right. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So he narrows down his commandments. You'll keep these things because they originate in me because I am love. You see, anything less than love is not God, church. I say that over and over and over so that we can begin to see him not as just this strict judge who's looking to keep us out, but that He loved us enough to bring us in. Now, I'm not a universalist. Jesus is the only way. That's it. John 14, 6. I truly believe that. You will confess and you'll respond to Him because of His love for you. And Jesus shows us His love for us. He washes the disciples' feet. He institutes, in some ways, these new commands because He loves us so much. He says this, Here is love that He first loved us. Actually, Paul says that, speaking of Jesus. And out of that love, we learn and discover what it means to love and value what Christ values and loves. In other words, our picture of the world becomes different. Church, my view, the lens of, of what I view this world through. You could say it this way. My worldview has changed since I've come to Christ. You understand that. And hopefully yours has too. Now, I still battle with the flesh. I'm going to tell you something that I struggle with. I'll just be real with you for just a moment. It bothers me to think that there would ever be an ISIS flag hung anywhere in the United States of America. It bothers me. It really does. All right? But it also bothers me 
of what I heard just yesterday on the news about a barbecue contest. And one of the men who was competing in the barbecue contest raised an American flag at his grill and they came and asked him to take it down because it might be offensive. Do you realize that the United States of America still to this day sends out more missionaries around the world in Jesus' name than any other country or part or speck on this planet? That bothers me. And I have to pray because I need to view some things through God's lens, meaning that Christ came for all. Now, in saying that, all right, I'm trying to encourage us not to say I stand for ISIS or any other murderous religion. Absolutely not. The God I serve is a God of love. And yet at the same time, I need to remember that God values everyone. And He may just use me through my lens of love to change a heart that once was so lost in darkness. It's tough. There's tension there, and I think that tension will always be there. But I can tell you some things that, that, that create tension in me very quickly, but we've got to move on, and I've got to learn to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me. As I even had a person here a while back say, Curtis, you know, a bullet never changed a heart. And I just responded and said, yeah, but it stopped one. An evil one. And it would again if it showed up. Never would, never mind. But just saying, right? I've got to learn to depend heavily upon the Spirit that resides within me. All of us do. All of us do. So here we go. You know, our loving, by keeping His commands and doing these things, learning what love truly is, that God is love, is an invitation to the Holy Spirit and an ever-increasing awareness of His activity in our lives. You see, the awareness of how He sees us and of how He sees others. That's relying on this spirit that is greater in me than the one that's in the world, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? You ever asked that one? Of course you have. I've asked it. You ever known just amazing people and then boom, they just get wrecked. It's like the train came out of nowhere and you're like, God, these people are incredible. Why would that happen? Or why didn't God heal this person? Have you ever prayed that one? Or why doesn't God heal that person? Have you ever asked this one, God, how could you, a God of love, allow that to happen? Oh, I've asked it. I've prayed for it. Well, let me give you a little insight here. In the book of Ephesians, there are recorded some of the great apostolic prayers of the Apostle Paul. And these prayers give amazing insights into the activity of God by the Spirit in the lives of believers. So Ephesians chapter 3 we kick one of these prayers off. And here's what Paul says. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So he's saying I'm in prayer. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in your inner being. So here's what he's saying. He's saying the Spirit's work is to strengthen and fortify our inside man. Right in here that the Spirit strengthens us. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. All right, so here's what he's saying. He said he dwells here through our faith in Him. Now, in saying that, church, I would say there are two types of faith out there. The first one is known as situational faith. And that means I have faith based upon my situation or circumstance. 
And what we do is we live life, allowing life come, to come to us, and as it comes to us, we just kind of react to it. All right? We're not proactive, we're really reactive to life. And we live life through a situational faith. And a situational faith just simply says this, oh my goodness, I went to the doctor yesterday and he told me I got three months to live. Pray for me. Like now. Right? That's a scary type of prayer. Because now all of a sudden we're saying, God, I need you. I, I, I need you to bail me out of this situation. And if you will, God, I will never stray again. I read about a man who said that one time, and then the cock crowed. Right? I mean, it, it's, just, it's just natural for us oftentimes to find ourselves in these areas known as situational faith. But then there are those who just simply walk by faith. Those who just understand life and understand the temporal aspects of life. And that Jesus even said, in this life you will have troubles. What does that tell us? You need to learn to press into the Spirit of God, press into Jesus within us. It just simply makes sense. And as we do that, and we learn to hear His voice, and we walk with Him every day, we walk out our faith, we listen to what He says, we read His Word, then my focus begins to change from my situation to my relationship with Christ. And I believe in what He says about me, that He loves me. And I know that I love Him. Verse 18, He says, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. I love that. Can you imagine? He's saying, hey, look, in my prayer, I would like to see just how great, how big, how expansive you are, God. Now, that's, that's incredible. Uh, my second child turned 11 this week. Been a little hard on me. We lived in Lubbock, and actually drove back to Amarillo the day she was born to, to be with her doctor. And a couple of years later, I lived in, in the parsonage. Now, some of you have never heard the term parsonage. You're thinking of partridge family when I say parsonage. But the parsonage was actually owned by the church. It was a home that was owned by the church, and it was kind of part of your deal. When you took on a church, the pastor and his family moved into this home that the church provided for you. And so we were living in the parsonage, and Wade and Bethany shared the same room. He was four. She was about two by this time. Um, and I, I actually wrote her a letter this week. And, and I, in Bethany's letter, I told her, I said, Bethany, I never will forget when you and Wade shared the same room in the parsonage. And I would go in and share with y'all a little Bible study. And y'all would wrestle and hug and not understand a word I said. But then you would each get in your bed. And I'd always lay down with Bethany. And I would ask her, what do you want me to sing? And there were two songs she wanted me to sing. Itsy Bitsy Spider, okay? And then she would want me to finish with Deep and Wide. Deep and Wide. Because I believe her concept was starting to be born about this great God beyond her dad that her dad loved or that her mother loved or that her family worshipped. And, and it was, she was starting to get this concept, but she loved for me to sing Deep and Wide. And here it is in the Scripture that we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Isn't that something? So He says, I can do all these 
great things. You can do all these great things because Christ is dwelling in you, in us, in the form of the Holy Spirit. I think that's incredible. So here's an idea that maybe we just need to focus on the Holy Spirit's presence in our heart. The Scripture says this, above all else, guard what? Your heart. For in it contains the wellspring of life. What is that wellspring? It's the Holy Ghost inside of you. I like to say ghost sometimes. It just throws people off. Did he say ghost? Is this one of those churches? The ghost, you know. Yes. I'm just kidding. So, so it's the Holy Spirit, right, that, that we learn to, to press into in our heart. Perhaps we recognize there's a power at work within and lean hard into this person of the Holy Spirit. And when I say person of the Holy Spirit, church, it's okay to know that He is a person. That you can speak to Him. That He'll speak back to you. That it's not the traditional dispensationalist view point in how this worked, but Jesus, as He ascended into heaven, He promised He would not leave us alone, but that He would send one. And that one's a person. I got a book, actually it was given to me as a gift years ago, and I looked at the author and I said, I'll never read this book. I know this author, but I won't tell them that because it was a nice gesture that they did as far as giving me the book. So I filed it in my second office when I was in Lubbock. I had one at home, I had one up at the church. And I, and I filed it out there in my home office. It was actually out in the barn. All right, My second office, never going to read it. And one day I came home and I saw that book, and I thought, you know, I'll just try the first chapter. And I read the first, second, third. I started going through this book, and I thought, man, he's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And he kept calling him a person, referring to him as he. Now, in the Greek, that understand, okay? I'm not going to take you down that road right now. But this, this author was referring to the Holy Spirit as a person. And how he would wake up every morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What do we have today? And I thought, wow, man, that's powerful. And I just became intrigued and thought, this guy might know more than I ever gave him credit for. I believe he knows Jesus. My goodness. It was an incredible eye-opener for me to think about the Holy Spirit as a person who dwells in me. Because that makes me so much stronger in who I am. He says He will be able to do far more in us according to Him, not to us. Our part's to believe, to know. To know Him. I love what Charles Stanley says. He says this. He says, Earthly wisdom is doing what comes naturally. Godly wisdom is doing what the Holy Spirit compels us to do. Do you love that? There's a difference. Godly wisdom means that you're going to see things for what they are in God's viewpoint. You're going to be looking through God's lens. You're going to be able to love the unlovable. You're going to be able to clothe the naked. You're going to be able to feed the poor. Give drink to the thirsty because you're going to start seeing the horizontal because you're so focused on the vertical. And this is incredible for us today, church, that if we'll just stay focused on the vertical, our whole view, our glasses change in how we see our lives and the lives of others. You see, as we look vertical, looking to God and His activity within us, we'll find some truths. One of them is we'll see this truth where He calls Himself the Helper. You remember when Jesus is, is, is talking about the Holy Spirit, He said, and I will send a Helper for you. That word there is parakletos in the Greek, and this is what it means. 
It means an advocate. Someone called to someone else's need. One who pleads another's cause before a judge. A pleader, a counsel for defense, a legal assistant, an advocate. These, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the helper that send to, sent to us. It's one of the great promises of the Scripture. He's called to our need. He comes to our defense. Have you ever wondered, can I finish this race of faith in this life and break that tape at the end? Faithfully. Have you ever wondered, hey, what if I were persecuted for my faith? Would I hold on? Have you ever thought, man, if death ever breathed that breath towards me, would I be able to still find life in my Savior? Well, here it says He's here with us. He's going to help us even in that. In that time, I love the story of Corey Ten Boom, who Holocaust survivor. She's written several books, but um, lost her sister, her father, all. Um, but when she was a child, of course, they were hiding in, in this particular book, The Hiding Place. Um, she, she was hiding, and um, she wrote in her journal, she had asked her dad, Dad, if they ever find us, how do I know that I will not deny my faith? And he responds in a unique way. I've shared this before, but I just, it, this always touched me. He just said, when I send you down to the grocery store to get a sandwich, how much do I give you? And she said, just enough for the sandwich. And he said, well, your heavenly Father loves you far more than I do. You'll be fine. And she was. See, he's our paracletos. He's our advocate. He's our helper. He stands in need for us. What we can't do, he does for us. He is the spirit of truth in us. Church, this is important for us to grasp because we always want truth tellers in our lives. Find somebody who's learned how to tap into the Holy Spirit within them. They're going to tell you the truth. They're going to encourage you in the things you need to be encouraged too, and they're going to discourage you in the things you don't need to do. The Spirit of truth within us leads us into all truth. He reveals Jesus to us. I love this about the Holy Spirit. He's always pointing us back to the work of Jesus, the finished work of the cross. He does not speak on His own volition, but only as Jesus instructs Him. He discloses what is to come, which He receives from His Father. As a matter of fact, you remember Jesus saying, Hey, I don't do anything except for what? For what I see my Father doing. Meaning there's this, He's given us an example of a relationship which takes me to the third point. Look, He comes to us as the spirit of adoption that He has no orphans. Romans chapter 18. Paul's saying, hey, I can cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Daddy. However you want to put that. Those are one and the same. But He's given us this illustration that he has no grandchildren, no stepchildren. That as we come to faith in Christ Jesus, that the Holy Spirit identifies in us as a child of God, that we are now children of the Most High God. He affirms that within us. In church, that's very important because here's what I see the problem with Christians today. They have no confidence in who they are. They're worried about offending someone. I probably offended one of you already. And if I just sit here and dwell on that, I'm going to have a problem for the rest of the day. But I know who my God is. I know that He has chosen to live in me and that He has no grandchildren. So I can take confidence in that. I can stand firm in that. I can defend His kingdom business because of that. Now I'm not trying to 
build myself up as some incredible man of God because I have my weaknesses too. But this is what I know that the Scripture tells me where I'm weak, who's strong? He is. Why? Because He's here. He's in here. John chapter 13, 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now that's a big commandment. He tells us to love one another. And there are some people that are very difficult to love, church. If you haven't met them, you will. And you may say, my goodness, man, how did this one get born in the family? I didn't choose that, right? It's just genetically happened. They morphed. Whatever you want to say. But some people are just more difficult than others. But here's what I know. I know with all the conversations that I've had in my life, and over the past several years as being a pastor, I've had some, some pretty strong conversations. I've had people come in and say, I don't agree with the thing you say, da-da-da-da, you're blasphemous, whatever, and they're gone. Right? I've had the ones that come in, I love you, I'm here to serve, you just tell me where to go, and I say, I need somebody to push a vacuum cleaner, and they go, never. Right? I mean, you know... And then you have those who just, who just simply are incredible people that you just go, man, you're just so incredible. Everybody's different, but here's what I know. As we learn to hear the Holy Spirit within us, as we learn to rely on God within us, we will all come out the same place. I'll be able to love the unlovable. Embrace sometimes the unembraceable. To go the extra mile. Jesus said something about that. If one asks you to go one mile, go with him what? Two. If he asks for your shirt, give him what? Your cloak as well. You see, we're able to do that because the Spirit in us begins to lead us. Love invites the activity of God. So learn to embrace the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is an introductory. We have a Holy Spirit class coming down the pike here, I don't know, two, three, a year from now. I don't know, but it's, it's on the calendar, okay? Where we teach on the Holy Spirit is really not that, that far away. Where we teach on the Holy Spirit, it's just kind of an introductory to say, hey, the Holy Spirit keeps us looking vertical, looking at God, and knowing that's who we're following. He is the helper called to your need. He is the Spirit of truth within you. He is the Spirit of adoption. Affirming and reaffirming that, look, He has no grandchildren. This is who you are. I'm told George Washington may not be in our history books, in some of our history books today. As a matter of fact, as a figure, a father of this country, that they no longer even want to pin him with those words. Because it could offend others. He's an amazing man. I started the whole message with a prayer from him. As he fought for freedom, he lived through some of the most terrible conditions anyone ever has. At the, valley, at, at, at the Battle of Valley Forge, was the first U.S. president. He had one of the most remarkable lives ever lived in the Western Hemisphere. He understood something, though. He knew what it was to live vertical. I, I read a story on him one day where, um, before he went into battle, um, one of the British, it was actually a British mother uh, of a soldier, she was over over here in the Americas, and she had gone back into the woods to wash her clothes, and she came upon George Washington. And he was knelt down, he never saw her in praying, and she said, it was at that point I knew we had lost the war. You see, he knew what it was to live vertical. 
to live eternal. So what about you? Who leads you? Who is your defense? Do you take it to life or do you take it as it comes? Are you looking up or out? What mark on history will your legacy leave? Is your faith situational? Or are you learning to walk it out? You see, it's vertical. To focus on the Holy Spirit's presence in our heart. To recognize there is a power at work within us. And to lean hard into the person of the Holy Spirit. Church, that's who Amarella Harvest Christian Fellowship is going to be. We're going to learn to hear that voice. We're going to learn to know what it means to be the bride of Christ presented to His Master without spot or wrinkle. So I pray that you'll join with me as we start this series and as we go through the next few weeks all the way through Easter. I'm working on the Easter sermon now. I'm really excited about this and the finished work that took place at Easter to keep us looking vertical. Guys, in the, in the cross, I think this is a wonderful emblem. I, years ago, um, when I was in the military, I went to a, a camp uh, in northern Arizona. And when I was there, I, I had a cross on my, on my necklace. It was just a necklace cross. And this guy that was there who was teaching the seminars, and they were Christian seminars, he said, why do you wear that cross? And I began to tell him, he said, that cross doesn't mean anything. He said, I'd take it off. It's just offensive. You're just offending everybody. And this is several years ago. Imagine what it would be today. Right? And, and I remember, I've thought of that conversation many times. I, I refused to take it off. Matter of fact, I got mad. I didn't go to his last two teachings because of. But let me tell you something about the cross, real quick. You see this part right here? That's, that's known as the stipus. And the stipus would have been already at the Mount of Skull, it would have already been in the ground. And the stipus would have had a point, not quite like this, that's a 308 bullet, but it, it actually. Um, it, it actually, I didn't know I was going to use this one. But it came to a point like that. And, they, and the other part, the horizontal part, was actually, um, would be laid, had a hole drilled in it. And after they um, tied his arms, they would have laid him over that point and it would have caught. The hole wasn't wide enough to slide all the way down. It just would have caught. And that, that was known as the batibulum. But the stipus, the interesting thing about the stipus, in a real cross, it will have a point always pointing you where? Vertically. Always. Church, never forget who we are. Never forget the shoulders that you stand on. Never forget the great area that we have here in America. The great opportunities that are out there. Because as you begin to look vertical, you'll start seeing more and more and more opportunities to love like you've never loved before. May that be who we are here in Amarillo, Texas and around the world as we receive the person of the Holy Spirit and how He works greater things in us. So if you need healing, if you need prayer this morning for relationships, if you need prayer just in celebration saying, you know what? I landed that $250,000 a year job this week. I need somebody to celebrate with me. Don't forget to tithe, but <laughs> maybe this is it. Maybe you landed that $250 a week job. 
It's a job. If it's putting food on your table, praise God. And keeps a roof over your head, praise God. Sometimes we, we, we make prayer about lamentations. And it needs to be joyful. Can't we celebrate as well? Have somebody stand in the gap with you this morning. If you need prayer for anything, they're here. Otherwise, may you go and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and depend upon the man of the Holy, the person of the Holy Spirit that's within you. Learn to hear that voice so that, so that the world, so that the world will be forever transformed into His image. Amen.